0: Welcome to the book club that sure is not your mom's romance book club, but it is my mom's. I'm Ellen, and joining me, as always,
1: is my mom. Hi, mom. How's it going? Hi, Ellen. As always, everything is fabulous. 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 Um, that's nice. Fabulous. That that's as always. Um, yeah. That's the way
0: my life is. <laughs> Today we are going to be talking about Making Faces by Amy Harmon, and later we are going to chat about outside factors and how they can affect your overall reading experience. But first, Mom, what have you been
1: reading? (laughs) Well, I didn't deviate too far from our list. No, you did not. I think Meet Cute was our first, that was our last one that we did, so I did Meet Cute. Yes. Um, And then I read A Highlander Walks Into a Bar... Then I read Heartless by Gail Carriger. Which is in the Parasol Protectorate Protectorate Series series. I've only got one more book left in that series, and I'm bound and determined to get it finished. Um And then I read Making Faces by Amy Harmon. Okay. Um I have
0: not read anything. What? Other than the books for the podcast.
1: Um, I have watched a fair bit of Hallmark movies. Okay, well, that's just weird and lame. No, it's great. Okay. Um, so that's... And you did start your little chat on our Facebook group about... I did. So we have a discussion thread going on
0: Hallmark movies. So if you watch a particularly good one and you want to come on and tell me about it, and because chances are that I... Might have watched
1: it as well. Chances are pretty good that I watched it as well. <laughs> um, so Pretty much 99.9% of them you've probably watched Yeah, yourself. so
0: if you just want somewhere to come chat about Hallmark movies, I am an open ear. Um, <laughs> so come do that with me. Um, okay. Today we are going to be talking about Making Faces by Amy Harmon. This is a standalone book um when we got to have breakfast with Penny Reed at Book Bonanza, we asked her Wait, wait. We had
1: breakfast with Penny Reed? Did <laughs>
0: we that happen? Did. <laughs> um but we asked her what book or author we needed to cover on the show and like her immediate answer was Amy Harmon. And so we we picked a book and here we are. Um so I did not write a um book description because I didn't think anything I could write could do it justice spoiler alert um (laughs) so here is the back cover description for making faces um ambrose young was beautiful he was tall and muscular with hair that touched his shoulders and eyes that burned right through you the kind of beautiful that graced the covers of romance novels and fern taylor would know she'd been reading them since she was 13 but maybe because he was so beautiful he was never someone fern thought she could have until he wasn't beautiful anymore making faces is the story of a small town where five young men go off to war and only one comes back it is the story of loss a uh, collective loss individual loss loss of beauty loss of life loss of identity it is the tale of one girl's love for a broken boy and a wounded warrior's love for an unremarkable girl this is a story of friendship that overcomes heartache, heroism that defies the common definitions, and a modern tale of Beauty and the Beast, where we discover that there is a little beauty and a little beast in all of us. So, I already kind of, you know, <laughs> revealed my card, but Mom, what did you think of making faces?
1: Oh my gosh, Ellen. 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 this. <laughs> Book. This book I kept texting Ellen This book Ugh.
0: Uh yeah there was many crying emojis exchanged uh <laughs> during the course of mom and I
1: reading this book. Oh I absolutely loved this book. I gave it five stars on Goodreads, which is not something I do like. Okay, and here's what
0: Okay, here's what I need to say. First of all, we are going to like pretty deep dive into this book so if i will just say you need to read this book if you are if you are within the the realm of my voice like stop listening this is the podcaster telling the
1: podcastee to stop listening to our podcast and just go read this book it is it's it was a fast read i think we both read it in like Twenty-four hours, right? Yeah, maybe thirty-six. With, I mean, and that was with other stuff going on in our lives. Right. Um, well, not mine, but yours. Yeah, definitely.
0: Well, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> it wasn't like we sat down and we're sit read straight. Right? In. No, um, it's so engrossing. Oh my gosh, it's it's so good, you guys. I really, really want more people to read the book. It's it's really, really, really good, and just. You will be gripped. You will cry. If you do not cry in this book, I think that there might potentially be something wrong with you. You need to, like, <laughs> talk to someone. Um, it's it's just really good. And we're going to spoil stuff. So if, if us saying that makes you want to go read it, stop listening is what I'm saying. Yeah, because everyone should read this. It's really good. I'm pretty sure that I had tears in my eyes for at least 70% of this book.
1: Well, I told Ellen, I said, like, as I look back over the books we've read, another book that had a huge impact on me was Longshot. And this was a similar one where it really impacted me. Like, this is going to stick with me for a long time. Yeah. Um, As did Longshot. But uh, just such a, a moving story. So well written. So
0: well written. I loved so- her writing, I loved the structure, the kind of,
1: like, bouncing between, you know, periods yeah. of time. All of it was so well done. And yeah. just so – the whole story, how it played out, was so thought through. Oh, and, oh gosh. It was so good. <laughs> I,
0: anyway. <laughs> well, and as, as we're going to talk about later in the book about how, you know, moods and books hitting you at the wrong or right time um, – I think this one just hit me at a time where I needed a good cry, and um, a good cry I got. And I
1: don't know how much of that was just because, like, I. And her mom is to never cry. very sympathetic. So yeah, exactly. whenever Her mom calls her. Her mom keeps saying, "Just calm down. You're fine." Yeah,
0: my mom is <laughs> pissing me off a little bit in my personal life. Whatever. But, um, but it was it was just it's really good. So it was really good. Enough with that gushing, and now let's get into spoilers. Okay. Okay, Mom. Honestly, before we get to Fern and Ambrose, we need to talk about the star oh of the gosh. show for me. Bless his heart. So, Bailey, what Ugh. did you think? <laughs> I can't even start. Okay, honestly, <laughs> I was telling someone the premise of this book last night, and I was talking about Fern and Ambrose Fine and then I started talking about Bailey and I was just like, and here's where I start crying. <laughs> like just talking about him. So what did you think of Bailey and what did you perceive
1: as his role in the story? Um, First of all, I think it was a story about Bailey with Ambrose and Fern. Their romance is like the side characters in this whole thing. Um, it was, he, okay, first of all, I got, I have to tell you, there were several things in this book that I was like, wow, mm-hmm. I can totally b- relate to this. Relate, yes. Yeah. We have a very good friend, uh, a very close family friend, It's family friends, and they had um, a son who had Duchenne's muscular dystrophy. He was diagnosed when he was four years old. There was just so much of this that just went. Hand in hand with the life of this friend of ours, he ended up living till he was like 30 years old. He actually lived quite a bit Which longer than most... Which, as they talk about in this book, is... Very unusual. Yeah, I
0: mean, like, He him- did
1: have to have a rod put in his spine and, and things so he could sit up and <sighs> ended up being on a breathing apparatus, things like that, but... Um, well, and we even had... I
0: had a cousin, mom had a nephew who had spinal muscular atrophy, and... I know, I realize it's different, but it, there was so much of it that reminded me of, of him as well. Right. And, um, and honestly,
1: he wasn't sweet like Bailey,
0: (laughs) but he was kind of like a dry sense of humor like Bailey was. He was was. very much And honestly, I mean, so I was, I was seven when he died, but him and I were pretty chummy and a lot of how Fern and. Um Bailey interacted, kind of reminded me of things that I've seen of us in right. our home videos and things like that. Home videos.
1: <laughs> um, yes, Ellen was very mothery when she was little and, and her cousin loved it. And he would just lay on the couch and order her around and she would go and run and do everything for him. It was adorable. But um, uh, yeah, there was so much that I related to, but Bailey was such a great character Mm -hmm. and just the way okay first of all if 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 you didn't pick up on it when you were reading it the chapter titles oh gosh well okay so (laughs) i so at the
0: point when chapter was called kiss rita i was like kiss rita like what because i was thinking it was something related to fern because it's a romance and i automatically going in go in thinking it's about our our couple right and but when it was kiss rita i went back and i looked at the table of contents and i was like and i just started like bawling and i was like (laughs) oh my gosh this is his bucket list like the chapter titles are his bucket list and so then when i told i'm like mom do you realize what the chapter titles have been and
1: um and then both of us were just like (laughs) oh So the chapter titles were his bucket list that he wrote when he was younger. He, yeah, and, he was like he 10. And, yeah, with uh, Fern. Seven. And she asked him to read it to her. He says, no, it's too private. There's too many things on here that I don't want you to know. And then, you know, then towards the end of the book, they explain it all. Mm-hmm. But we kind of realized, well, Ellen helped me realize that that's what it was. And it's not necessarily all the time that those things that he did but that he helped other people do. So he kind of lived vicariously through other people and helped other people achieve some of these bucket list items that he was Mm -hmm. unable to do. And um, gosh dang, he was... I'm 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 starting (laughs) to cry too. He was such a great character. And he, just as the binding force that brought these two together and... Well,
0: it's not you know, even he, like he necess I mean, like, he definitely helped to bring them together, but I think, I think it was just his influence
1: and his example that, um, well, I think he helped them both realize certain aspects of their life, or things in their lives that helped them get together. I don't know how I'm trying to say it, but... Like when he was talking with Ambrose and he was, you know, explaining, Mm -hmm. you need to live. Like Ambrose was saying, well, look at my face. He's like, oh, boo-hoo, boo-hoo. I haven't been able to walk since I was 14 or whatever. And, um, you know, just helped Ambrose realize, you know.
0: And I loved the, like, Cyrano de Bergerac um, comparison in that. It's like, boohoo, you have a big nose. But, like, you can still (laughs) hold, you know, like when he's talking about going to the prom and, like. Being Holding able to someone hold in your, someone your arms and, and smelling her hair. And yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I just, I loved him and I keep rubbing mascara off of my eyes already. Um, And I just loved his kind of no nonsense and how he just kind of called everybody out on their BS. Like, and I think it's a really, I don't know. I mean, like, we all have those people in our lives that either are going through like such a hard time physically or emotionally or mentally or whatever and they kind of just make you reevaluate like okay i'm i'm bitching and moaning about dumb stuff like i'm right. i'm really blessed and i i loved that one of the chapters was called <laughs> <laughs> um be more grateful and um just how he uh you know that was a thing for him and i think that um i mean just reading it he made me more grateful i know and um yeah i just loved how he kind of made those around him like be more grateful for you know the things that they do have and um you know kind of seek to get the most out of their lives i guess um i love there was just so many there was just so many bailey moments that i loved i loved I loved when Ambrose in his eulogy was talking
1: about when he, Bailey was like, "Fight me! Like I want to wrestle. Let's wrestle, yeah, wrestle him. And, and he wasn't sure if should I let him win, should I beat him? Yeah, and he's I, he like, wasn't sure how to fight. He, he didn't. Him. I didn't
0: need to let him win. He he did it, and I loved just Bailey just smiling, and he's like, "You didn't hold back now, did you?" I actually <laughs> did that right, and I just that I think that was just such like a bailey moment <laughs> you know and i just i i loved him and
1: his love for rita just broke me and wow. how and how he called her the night before she got married and he said don't do it don't do it we, we can run off together yeah <laughs> no. he
0: is so sweet and i i love i mean like when we're talking about the structure. I love that they, in the beginning, there's a moment, there's conversation that Fern and Bailey have when they're kids and they talk about, they're talking to their moms about how everyone dies. And, yes, Bailey is probably going to die sooner than than most, but um, that you never know. Like, you know, they talk about, like, so Fern could die before me. It's like, yep, Fern could die before you. <laughs> and, um You know, Mom and I had said when we were reading the book, we were talking about halfway through and, you know, we're saying, like, obviously this book is going to wreck us because at some point Bailey is going to die. Like, that was just kind of a given. But I I kind of love that he got to die being a hero,
1: which was such a thing for him. (laughs) It was... Because I, I pictured it, his disease taking him, you know, yeah. and that was the way he was going to die. But no, he got to go out in a blaze of glo- Oh, gosh, damn it. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> he got to go out in a bla- blaze of glory helping Rita. And her I little mean, boy. And, and her little boy. Just that. Um... <laughs> gosh, gosh, you guys, this, this
0: is the worst. Um, but, you know, that he is... Um, when, I mean, when they, when he falls in the puddle and he realizes he's, he can't move. I, like, I was just, a,
1: I was a mess as I am now. And well, what killed me is when he could hear Tyler. Yeah. And he said, okay, I can hear his voice. That means he's okay. At least he's okay. Yeah. You know, he, and I was like, oh gosh, dang it, Bailey. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and um, so, yeah, the fact that, I mean... I guess his disease, like, played a part in how he died because somebody else would have been able to get themselves out of a puddle, you know. But, um, but yeah, just that, that's how he died. I was just like, I wasn't ready for that. Like, don't do that to me. <laughs> um, uh, but um, one of, okay, so I wrote down this line because I this kind of encompassed bailey to me and his his part in the story and um and that was that um in towards the be towards the middle i guess um rita who bailey is in love with and is kind of a friend of theirs um rita and fern are talking about bailey and this is like the first time i like hardcore cried is this conversation and Rita is saying, you know, like, I was always praying that he would get better because he's such a good guy. It's just I didn't know that I didn't know if I could deal with his disease, like with loving someone who has his his illness. And um, and Fern says, if if Bailey had been born without MD, the muscular dystrophy he wouldn't be Bailey, the Bailey who is smart and sensitive and seems to understand so many things we don't. You might have looked right past Bailey if he'd grown up healthy, (laughs) wrestling on his dad's team, acting like every other guy you have ever known. A big part, oh my gosh, a big part of the reason Bailey is so special is because life has sculpted him into something amazing. Maybe not on the outside, but on the inside. On the inside, Bailey looks like Michelangelo's David. And when I look at him and when you look at him, that's what we see. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I mean, and we're going to talk a little bit later about this book and how it kind of explores why bad things happen to good people. Um, but I, I loved that, you know, that she called, that Fern recognized that, that, you know, he was such a sweet and wise and sensitive soul and man because um because of of this because of the life experience that he had um so yeah anything else to say about bailey
1: mom as i could go on we could do a whole episode (laughs) on on Bailey. bailey We need to move past daily just so we stop crying. (laughs) (laughs) So we can get our emotions in check. Yeah. Um, Okay. What did
0: you think of Fern as our heroine?
1: I loved Fern. I related probably too much to Fern. Mm -hmm. Um, I loved, you know, that she was this gawky teenager. And, um, gosh, I'm going to cry again because. (laughs) Um, The other thing that really made me cry is her poem she wrote about making faces. Yeah. Um, uh, Was so good and so poignant and was so meaningful to Ambrose later on. But, you know, it just and she had that ugly girl syndrome. Is that what he called it? Yeah, The the UGS. And that they never really feel... As pretty as they are because, you know, they grew up not as, not that attractive. And as someone who went through a very gawky teenage stage, I mean, literally. Someone who went through, has, who still feels like she's going through her UGS phase. <laughs> um. Well, well, and I was going through it in the 70s. So it was doubled by the fact that, you know, fashion and hairstyles were all <laughs> bad. Um anyway i i think a lot of people could relate to fern and and what she went through and then she just came out on the other side so amazing and she was so amazing with bailey and you know ambrose even notices all the little things she does for bailey which he says she just does it like it just comes naturally to her and and well, she doesn't even think about like, it
0: she's like spent her whole
1: life doing she's it. done it her whole life and um yeah it was yeah. just sweet. um
0: yeah, I also really loved her poem, and I did also relate to her a lot. Um, I think, yeah, but I think it's, I mean, I think any girl who was once a teenager, <laughs> yeah. like, f- felt like that. especially Especially those of us who, you know, maybe didn't get asked out very often, and all of that stuff. Like, we all... Have had those moments where we're just like, I just want a boy to think I'm pretty like once, you know, and, um, (laughs) And, you know, she's a romance reader who hides it from her mom. Like
1: how She's could been a- reading romance since she was 13. Who does this sound like? Who? She hides it from her mom. So her mom will get mad at her. <laughs> I could not possibly relate to that. Um, well, that whole scene where he grabs her book and is reading it out loud, and he says, you've never even done any of these things. Well, <laughs> it's like that, uh, you know,
0: a boy grabbing your book and reading the smutty scenes. <laughs> that happened to me when I was a kid. Um with yeah I won't say who it was with but <laughs> um anyway uh yeah and I just I loved her I lo- she was she was just such a little tender heart and when I bawled at I mean I like I said 70% of this book I was bawling but when Bailey's mom thanks her at the end and it was just like I thank god <laughs> every day that you know that bailey had you and ah!
1: <laughs> <laughs> well when she said that there was a whole thing where they talked about how she was born because they were born just a few days apart well like they, they yeah they were gosh, they, they, i'm gonna cry too <laughs> they had to be born together so that she could you know the the lord made it so that she was there for bailey his whole life yeah and um yeah it was and that and i loved
0: that you know they were worried that like her, his parents were worried that, or her parents were worried that when, um, when Bailey was inevitably gone, you know, cause so much of, so much
1: of Fern's like purpose had been to be well, her, there for they Bailey. They were afraid that her work here on earth was done and that yeah. something bad was going to happen to her.
0: Yeah. Um. Uh, anyway, I loved her. Um. So, Apparently there's not going to be a topic here that we can't talk about where we're (laughs) going to cry. So what did you think of Ambrose as our hero?
1: Mm. I loved Ambrose. Okay, first of all, his whole awkwardness with, you know, the letters that she wrote him in high school and then how he didn't know how to deal with that afterwards Mm -hmm. and how that became so weird and even like when they were away in Iraq and the guys would tease him about it and he's like don't talk that way about Fern. I mean he just had this spot in his heart that he didn't know what to do with because of you know he he didn't think he had feelings for her but he felt like he had feelings for her so um he You know, that whole section where she had written these letters to him and they had kind of spilled their guts to each other. Um, It just was so sweet the way he, you know, as an awkward teenager himself, wasn't sure what to do with those feelings that he had for her.
0: Yeah. um, Yeah, I mean, the Ambrose definitely brings the, like, awe factor, right, of... Right. Of, he he definitely is where the romance is. I mean, Fern
1: is obviously a part of it as well. But um, well, and I do love that. Like, I love the whole thing about Fern being so upfront. It's like, yeah, I'm in love with you. I've been in love with you since we were ten. <laughs> just just like through the whole book, she just doesn't. I mean, she doesn't say that to him till after he, you know, they kind of start being friendly after. But she just doesn't even hide the fact that she's just been in love with him forever. And yeah.
0: Yeah, he's such. I I loved him. I, I mean, I loved the book, so I think I just loved everybody that was affiliated with it. But, um, I I yeah, I found his his journey to be really interesting, and um, and I thought his relationship with Bailey and Fern was just so sweet. Like, not only his romance with Fern, but. I loved him hanging out with them afterwards and just being like, what am I doing with these little weirdos?
1: (laughs) These dorks. (laughs) Just the the three of them hanging out together. And he was just like... (laughs) It's like the little island of misfit toys,
0: you know? Like he was talking about them at the diner and like this burn victim, this kid in a wheelchair and this, you know, redhead and pigtails. (laughs) And, um, yeah. And, um... I just I uh I I thought you know seeing his his struggles with kind of the expectations that he felt were on him and um I think that that also kind of was just something that he obviously had been struggling with from when he was a kid and I think that comes from his mom just being so obsessed with this biological father that she sees so much of him in and um yeah so um and then just not knowing what to do with those expectations afterwards and um i loved when he added bailey to his little heart list you know list and on she and she had bailey on hers yeah um and yeah. From the romance standpoint, him watching her when in the bakery and them writing notes to each other and such was just really sweet. Um, it was really sweet. So, yeah. So I just I loved Ambrose. He was great. Um, controversial question: Is it Ambrose's fault that the other four boys died?
1: Um. Well, I don't think so because even though he encouraged them all to go away and um I don't think they still all had their they still made their own choice.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean I understand could have been, like I I get where um Beans is I get where his feelings are coming from because he did encourage them all and he was kind of the leader and they all wanted to do what he did. Well, and, and- I also get
0: I don't know, I don't, I don't get, like, putting it on Ambrose, but I get where Beans's mom, you know, is like, right, this is you, this is your fault, I blame you, like, I mean, that's just part of her, her grief, but, um,
1: yeah, I mean. I'll tell you, this is the one thing that was kind of unrealistic about the story, and I don't, um. I don't see how those five guys would have wound up on the same place. I was in the wondering. Same place, serving in the same area on the same I wondered company. that as well. I mean, well. it just, for this very reason. I mean, you know, they just wiped out a whole town in one IED. Um, so that was a little unrealistic, but it's still made for a good story. So Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, I knew from the back cover description that,
0: the other four boys were going to die and right it was probably going to be Ambrose that came back. Um And so I, I just thought like separate encounters, all of these boys would somehow die right. and Ambrose wouldn't. Um So yeah, when it was the same event I was like, and the same troop and all that, I was like, uh, I didn't think that was a thing. <laughs> I don't think you, yeah, like, don't, you get to do you that. You get to pick.
1: Yeah to all stay together the whole time yeah um
0: okay one of our listeners said that this reads much more like just general fiction
1: than a romance agree or disagree and please back your argument well i disagree i think it was totally a romance novel but i and this is where i'm going to make my point um and we'll probably well no i'll do it now because you're bringing this up okay um this, I think, is totally a romance novel because, I mean, the focus, there was, I, I kind of joked before when I said Bailey, this is kind of a story about Bailey and, and Ambrose and Ferner in the side. This is a story about their romance. I mean, that's what the story is. It's a story about them falling in love and winding up together, which is what a romance novel is. Mm-hmm. However, I do want to point out, and you're going to ask me about this later, but I'm going to bring it up now. I do want to point out there's no sex in this book. Yeah. And um, I head over heels love this book. So anyone who says to me, "Oh, you just read those books because you like the sex." no, 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 sometimes it's nice, but <laughs> yeah. but really, it's the romance that, and the love and the joy and the hope that, that these books have that, um, that make it a romance. I, I wouldn't call it. I would say that this is definitely a romance. I think any book that
0: has plot outside of the two main characters probably technically can qualify as more general fiction, but definitely at its heart, this book is a romance. Yeah, like we, we joked that this is Bailey's book, but that's just because we love Bailey so much. I mean, Ambrose and I would say probably more than anybody it's it's ambrose's book i th- i think right um but um yeah i think that i mean we say we say bailey but it's just because he has such an influence on on them and the decisions that they make and the people especially that fern is um, the person that Fern is. And, um, yeah. And so, but yeah, I definitely think it is their book
1: still. And it well, still and is does a romance. Help, and Bailey helps Ambrose come to grips with what he's been through, mm-hmm. which then helps him fall in love with Fern and yeah. and be able to move forward with that relationship. I loved so, Bailey's,
0: um, like, little talks with, like, are you actually in love with her? You're going to treat her right? And all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Gosh, Bailey. Yeah. Uh, Okay, Mom, this opens essentially around the events of 9-11. What did you see as kind of being the significance of this
1: outside of just it sends these boys to war? Well, I think that that is what it is. Anyone who was around during 9-11, it was unprecedented the amount of, Patriotism that there was after 9-11. It was I don't know. I haven't lived through not like, unprecedented
0: because pre- I think Pearl Harbor had very much a similar right. effect. It was
1: unprecedented in my lifetime. Can yeah. I say that? Yeah. Um, I had never seen anything like it because uh, you can't say every war because when they came home from Vietnam and that kind of stuff, we didn't have that at yeah. all. Um, but it was people wanted and people wanted to do something they people wanted to react in somehow and that's how we got sucked into the war over there as anyway you know as it is and um but i could see these boys wanting to go and fight for their country because that was the predominant feeling at the time well so if you-
0: and i think um, you know and uh, having exp- having studied literature and film and things like that um but they they quant they kind of identify um you know 9/11 as affecting the mood of of our country and i think that this gives the characters 9/11 gives the characters a certain kind of what now driving force that was prevalent at the time i think and i think especially putting these kids at their senior year when 9-11 happens. And then, you know, so they've just gone through this really traumatic time for our country. And then they're presented with the opportunity to make decisions about what to do with the rest of their life. And
1: I think army recruitment seems, you know, like. (laughs) Well, and especially since we kind of knew Ambrose's thoughts of he'd lived his life trying to make everybody happy and he just wanted to get into a situation where he could do something himself and not be trying to please people. But, um, you know, I can't say make your own decisions because you don't necessarily make your own decisions in the Army. But, um, you know, he wanted to go prove something besides just being a good wrestler. He wanted to do something outside of, of... the life he had been kind of pigeonholed into. And so you could see where that would, you know, have a, there would be an appeal there. Yeah. To go and do that. And I think it also
0: causes the characters outside of Bailey to think more about death, which is right another theme of the book, I would definitely say. Um, And... Um, yeah, I just found I found it interesting because, you know, I saw the the date, September
1: 2001, and I'm like, oh, I know what happens in September 2001. <laughs> um, well, I, and it being set in Pennsylvania where the plane had gone down, mm-hmm. and, you know, they went and visited that site. And um, I don't know if you're going to ask questions about this, but since we're on the subject, that whole thing with Polly and how Polly would say – Can you hear that? Mom, we're going to talk about that later. Stop talking about it. Okay, so I'm going to stop talking about that right now. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay,
0: so the book explores the questions of why do bad things happen to
1: good people? How effectively do you think it answers it? Well, I don't think there is an answer for that, because here's my philosophy on that. I think bad things happen. That's the bottom line. Sometimes they happen to bad people. Sometimes they happen to good people. But just life in general, sometimes bad things happen. Mm -hmm. And sometimes really bad things happen. And sometimes really bad things happen to really good people. And sometimes bad things happen to really bad people. But um, I think just life here on Earth is is, bad things happen sometimes. And I don't think, yeah, you know, it's… I don't think we're being punished. I don't think we're being, I just think it's the way life on earth is. I wrote down this quote from the book. Fern
0: is talking to Ambrose. She's, and they're talking, it's in the chapter about um, finish a thousand piece puzzle, puzzle, which mom and I have done several times. Yeah. Um. So Fern says, maybe everyone represents a piece of the puzzle. We all fit together to create this experience we call life. None of us can see the part we play or the, or the way it all turns out. Maybe the miracles we see are just the tip of the iceberg, and maybe we just don't recognize the blessings that come as a result of terrible things. Um, And I think that I like that as an answer for... I think that's this book's answer to that.
1: Right. And I I also think, because even... Like when bad things have happened to me in my life or things that I've struggled through and I've thought, oh, this is miserable and, you know, as I am where I am now in life and I look back and I think, you know what, even though that was difficult, I'm glad I went through that because it's molded me into the person I am today and or it's made my life turn out this way Mm -hmm. and I'm happy with the way my life has turned out. So, you know... we don't have the big picture. Sometimes we're in the we're in the middle of wallowing through something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I also think that sometimes bad things help us really appreciate good things, yeah. or the sem- even the semi-good things.
0: Well, and they talk or even, they talk about that too, and just
1: how or even the less bad things. <laughs> well, and
0: I loved when she was talking about Bailey, and she's like. I'm so sad because I loved him so much and I wouldn't trade, you know, it's when Bailey died. Um, she's like, and I wouldn't trade that for anything. So it's, I'm only so sad because of how much joy he brought into my life. And so I can't be that sad about it because I got so much joy out of, out of him and, um, out of knowing him and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Um okay, it also the book also has a lot a lot to say about the nature of true beauty. Um, how did that messaging there hit you?
1: (laughs) Well, I think we kind of talked about this a little bit already, but um and I've said this before on the podcast, but there are times when you meet people and you think, oh, they're pretty. And then as you get to know them, you think, mm, not so pretty. So I think about uh Rita's husband, I can't remember his name. Becker. Becker. He was, because she, everyone talked about how good looking he was. But then as you got to know him, he was, he was not good looking. Yeah. And um, you know, then there are people in your life that you meet and you think, you know, they're okay looking or they're not that great looking. But then as you get to know them, they become better and better looking because of the personality, because the way they treat people, because the way, or you know, yeah. because you like them more they become better looking to you so i think that um that's part of what this book is about is just because someone looks a certain way on the outside it's we really need to look past that and
0: yeah well and i i loved how they were both like at the same time worried that you know the other was going to wake up one day and just be like Ugh, why am i with this ugly person <laughs> and so bailey finally had to like call them out on sing, it. sing for heaven's sake sing <laughs> <I loved that. laughs> um and I, I i wrote down this line when ambrose said says but maybe you see beauty in me because you are beautiful not because i am and so that she's able to see the beauty in him because she's such a beautiful soul you know proof a beautiful person inside yeah and I and then it, later sh- after that, she's like, "But I would really like it if just for once I could be beautiful to you on the outside." And um, I loved Bailey, who was just like, "She's gotten real pretty, and you need to s- swoop in there before she realizes it <laughs> um, And anyway, uh, and I also loved the analogy that her dad gave about
1: the cookie tin with the, the cookie tin grease in it. That his um, mother used to hold grease.
0: Yeah, and how sometimes a a beautiful exterior can hide something nasty. Um, Okay, Mom. And then finally, this book has a lot to say about death and the afterlife and the people that get left behind. Um, What did you think about that? And this is where I wanted to talk about that moment. (laughs) This is the other part where I'm going to cry. But that moment when he hears Polly... Because Polly when he was right Mm. before he died, he says to him, Do you feel that? And that's when the IEDs went
1: off. And then Well when they he first did it though, when they went to the place where the plane had crashed. Oh yes, yeah. And they were just kinda all sitting there looking at, you know, the the hole in the ground and and Polly just would say that sometimes. He's like, Can you hear that? And he says, I don't hear anything. But Polly was sensitive. Sensitive to And sometimes I think what he was referring to is just the quiet. Can you hear how quiet it is? I think that's. Yeah. But and then just before the IED went off, Polly turned to him and said, "Can you hear that?" No, it's do you feel that? Do you feel that? But it was a sim- you know, similar situation. Yeah. Um and, and, then, and so then
0: he and then when Ambrose is, you know, and he talks about he's like, "I shouldn't be able to I shouldn't be able to hear anything. I can't. I'm deaf in one ear and I had the radio on." <laughs> but he hears Polly say to him in his bad ear in his gone ear that you know the do you feel that and um it's when fern is being attacked by becker attacked by becker outside just outside the door and um i i mean so that got me emotional that you know he had that moment with polly but i love that that is followed by a memory in the book where Bailey is asking those boys to ask Fern to dance at the prom. Yes. <laughs> and, um, and it, you know, all the boys say that they'll t- – it's like, don't worry, we'll take care of Fern and Ambrose. You take care of Rita. And that, in the end, that's what they all do, <laughs> is yeah. that those boys take care of Fern and Ambrose and Bailey, you know takes care of 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 Rita. Rita. (laughs) Ah. (sighs)
1: Um,
0: And then in terms of saying something about death and the afterlife, I also loved Ambrose's eulogy and how he kind of, and through Bailey's life, he he comes to the realization that, you know, I've had a hard time grasping why I lived and they died. Um, But I've realized that. I need to live, you know, to, to honor the fact it. that they died. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and he talks about how Bailey taught him that, that he needed to be grateful for the life that he had and um, that there was a purpose to him still being around and he needed to make sure it didn't go wasted, essentially. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: anyway. This book, man, you guys. Uh, Okay, so we've already talked about this book. If you can't tell, we're a bit of a hot mess. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So let's talk about Sex, Baby, Which Does Not Happen, Baby. So this is mildly young adult into new adult. I
1: would say kind of more... I would not say that. I disagree with you. Well, just by age groups it is. The themes, well... I think the themes of the book, though, are yeah. But young adult and we are adult wasted books. on young children, young
0: kids. <laughs> it's true. I mean, I think definitely adult. I think adults can.
1: I don't know, relate more um, to. I'll tell you what, though, I got to a point in the book, I'd been reading this just emotional story, and it got to the point where, um, I don't know. I think it was when she was at his house, like right. Maybe it was right before he left for school. And I thought, I don't want them to have sex because it's going to ruin the mood of the story if they go into explaining a sex scene. Mm -hmm. And I was afraid that it was going to... Well, I was really afraid that... um, Because she
0: kind of like sought comfort in him right after After Bailey Bailey died. died. And I was like, please don't have sex right now, you guys, please. And I loved, though, that Ambrose was like, she's too tied up right now in her sorrow i don't want our first time to be tied up in the sorrow she feels for bailey right Right. now and i loved that he recognized that because i was like oh thank you thank you ambrose um anyway uh but yeah i agree that i think that i would have been somewhat it would have been halting to have a sex scene in this book um so what was your swooniest moment oh gosh I've been thinking about this, Ellen, and I don't have a particular moment. I'll just tell you what I... I just loved how much they both struggled with being beautiful for each other. And just the, like, the tentative, especially when he comes back, how tentative he is with her
1: and... Well, and the whole thing about she says he always wants the lights off, and she kept thinking it's because she, she didn't think she was or pretty he was enough. Embarrassed
0: and, to be seen with her, or and
1: but he and he was think he was just thinking that he was embarrassed. He didn't want her to have to look at his face. He was and, always sitting
0: with his pretty side facing her, and was always like, "I have to sit on the right
1: side of her," you know, and, um, but and I but I did love the um, I love the little notes on the. On the board.
0: Yeah.
1: I loved, you know, when on 4th of July and he wrote fireworks or parade and she put fireworks and um, just all those little things. I just, uh, I loved everything. I loved everything. Everything made me just swoon. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Probably one of my swooniest moments was just uh, Bailey with Rita when they were dancing and she was holding on to him and laughing. Yeah. Gosh dang. Yeah. But. Anyway, it, I will it, say there were lots of swoony, swoony moments.
0: I was slightly disappointed that we didn't get to see more of Rita's reaction
1: to Bailey dying. Well, they she just had to kind of skiaddle out of there because I know.
0: But do you know what I mean? Like I kind of yeah. would have liked to see how that. I mean, I can imagine it was devastating, but
1: after after well, especially his, especially since you know her husband is the one that made it happen yeah oh, just, she, after his sacrifice
0: for her i kind of just wanted to see what she did with that you know yeah um okay let's hear what uh some people thought of this book um sarah said i read this book a couple years ago and remember loving it i see i rated it five stars on goodreads I did go through a lot of tissues while reading it though. So emotional and beautiful. I also recall this book feeling like more of a contemporary fiction read than a straight up romance. So that's Sarah who said that um cassie said i read this book a couple months ago it was a five-star read for me i connected with the story completely i'm exactly the age of the characters in the book and my husband was deployed to iraq with the army when he was 20 years old he was experienced uh he also experienced physical and emotional trauma during his deployment i had tears streaming down my face as i read this book it was so well written i loved it it really was like i cannot stress enough like how much i loved the writing it wasn't i mean there's obviously very sad things that happen in this book, but the writing is still joyful and um, and really beautiful. Um, Deborah says, "Great book, very moving, and a definite departure from the normal lighter romances." Absolutely, definitely. And um, Jennifer says, "I read this a couple years ago and remembered liking it a lot." Amy Harmon writes some great, emotionally satisfying books, and I am definitely going to have to read some more Amy Harmon because of how much I just love this book. Um, Mom. With all those other extra books that you read. With all those books that I have on my TBR. Um, Mom, final thoughts on making faces?
1: Uh, Yeah, sorry we cried through this whole
0: thing. Mom and I cry a lot, you guys. And so I knew, I thought that that, this could be problematic, but um, it just goes to show you how much this one really affected us i yeah, i mean it's, it really did it's really good um like amazing I, I i loved it um so those are our thoughts and some of your thoughts on making faces by amy harman we need to move on just so we stop crying um we would love to hear more from you on our facebook page our facebook group which is at not your mom's uh, which is not your mom's Facebook group, our Goodreads group, our Twitter, which is at not your mom's rom, or you can email us at not your mom's romance book club at gmail.com. So if you want to suggest a, if you want to read along with us or sh- email us with your thoughts, So if you want to read along with us and email us with your thoughts, or if you would like to suggest a book for us to read, we'd love to hear from you. On October 21st, we will be discussing The Madness of Lord Ian Mackenzie* by Jennifer Ashley in our next mini episode. Um, we have both read that book and we love it and we just want to talk about it. Um, so for now, we're going to take a break and when we come back, we'll be talking about how life gets in the way of our reading. And it's rude. So stay with us. <laughs> It's time for a break. It's time for a break. The break is when we do the news and mail. I wish you guys could see my dance moves when I do it.
1: Um, <laughs> it certainly makes it all
0: better. So we don't have a whole lot to talk about, which is good because we talked about that book for a long time. So it's good that we're going to have a short break segment. Um, just want to emphasize there's a lot going on on the Facebook group. We have the discussion thread for Hallmark movies, general frivolity on there. Um, and we thought it would be a fun thing because we have so much fun with you guys that we're going to start awarding the social media of the week (laughs) award. And so the social media of the week award this week goes to Kristen on the Facebook group who shared with us an exchange between her and Carla Sorensen who writes. It was the author of Baking Me Crazy, which is the first book in the Donner Bakery series, which is the first book in the new Pennyverse, which we are very excited. The Smarty Pants Romance um, new echelon. I don't know how to describe it, really. Um, (laughs) But she was talking to Carla about... uh, Chris Brinkley, who does the audiobooks for all of Penny's books and is doing the audiobooks for the Smarty Pants romance as well. And um, Carla had mentioned, she's like, I felt a little weird as I was writing certain scenes because all of a sudden I'd hear Chris Brinkley's voice in my head. And um, Kristen said, well, he didn't get the nickname Tennessee Sex Voice for nothing. And (laughs) Carla Sorensen said, OMG, the next time I see him, if that pops into my head, I blame you, Kristen. And uh, Kristen said, don't blame me, blame Julie from Not Your Mom's Romance Book Club. She coined the phrase. Um, and we just really want that to stick because we think Chris will get
1: a kick out of it. <laughs> well, it was, um, yeah, and it's funny. I think she, she really needs, everyone needs to call him that because yes. uh, I, I want that to be his his moniker. Well and when when they were doing the um at Book Bonanza when penny like led a discussion about audiobooks and mm-hmm. chris was on the panel and she made some comment about how it um, was the first thing that she went and listened to is the sex scenes where the sex scenes and he got super embarrassed yeah. so i think he's kind of you know gets embarrassed reading some of these yeah. things. <laughs> Um, the other thing. Which makes it all more delightful. <laughs> so, congratulations to Kristen on social media
0: of the week. Brava, brava. Um, the other thing I want to throw out there that mom doesn't know anything about, but um, I'm just curious to get people's take. If we were to do any sort of merchandising, would anybody buy it? And if you had any ideas. Um, I'm thinking we should make like a t-shirt or a mug that says I'm delightful.
1: <laughs> because or it was, it was delightful.
0: <laughs> well, no, cause anybody who listens to our show is delightful. So they are. Um, anyway, if you have any ideas for merchandise that you would like us to try and slap together, um, or if you would buy anything, let us
1: know. I never thought I'd have a catchphrase, Ellen. (laughs) I have a catchphrase. (laughs) How exciting. (laughs) Um, So that's
0: really all we have for this break segment. So uh, we'll see you next time when I sing that jingle. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Well, welcome back. Uh, We started getting into this a little bit with the last episode, but I wanted to talk a little bit more this time, especially with how much this book affected us and um, and just how, okay, so basically it's how outside of fact- factors can affect your reading. And I'm thinking how your mood when you sit down to read can affect it, um, how things that are going on in your life can affect your your mood and when you sit down to read, and, um, and then also what your own life experiences bring into your reading experience and how much those affect it. So first of all, Mom, how important is it for you to be in the right mood when you sit down to read?
1: Well, and because I, I was thinking about this when you told me we were going to be talking about it, and we're kind of in a different situation than a lot of other people are mm-hmm. in that we have to read the books and we have to have them done by a certain date yes so if we're not in the mood to read that doesn't make a difference we still have to read so i was thinking back to i think it was when we did the swedish prince and at that time i had a lot of stuff going on Mm -hmm. in my life and um just all kinds of i don't want to say turmoil but
0: a lot of upheaval.
1: yes my life went a little topsy turvy there for a little while, and so as I was reading that book, and if you'll go back and listen to, the, <laughs> to that episode, I was a little harsh on some of the things in that book, which, and it's probably things that wouldn't have even crossed, I don't know mind. caught my eye, yeah, yeah it, at another time when I was reading. Um, so I, it, it's just we kind of have a, a different situation in that we have to if we don't feel like reading we can't just say "Uh, i'm not going to read i'm going to go you know play solitaire on my phone um we don't have that option We have to read whether we want to read or not and um so i think that's why sometimes you know we i think it, it affects sometimes how we you know Respond to the book, which might be good or bad.
0: (laughs) Yes, for sure.
1: Um, Yeah, the
0: podcast has definitely shown me that this is true because, like you, and and I think also you know reading in school and things like that also kind of taught me this is you you do have to be, and you know it can depend on the tone of the book, you know, um, and maybe sometimes when i sit down i'm not ready to sit down and read a romance maybe it's like you know what i need because sometimes i sit down and i'm like i need a paranormal right now you know even if it's a romance you know or i need something a little broodier and angsty or you know what i just need a small town hallmark type romance you know (laughs) and um but because of, like, what mom's saying, our reading list, like, I've definitely learned that my mood can affect, you know, because if, like she said, it's like sometimes I'm not in the mood to read, but it's like,
1: nope, I got to read because we got we to record in an hour. <laughs> um, well, yeah, and that's the other thing. Sometimes we're really pushing to get something done, yeah. and I think that also affects sometimes. Yeah. Um, and then also, kind of like I said with this
0: book, Um, you know, I think sometimes a book hits me emotionally, you know, at either a good time or a bad time, depending how you look at it. But, um, you know, I, I think after reading this book, I realized like I was just in a place right now to cry. Like I just, and it's not even that anything sad is happening to me. It's just, I needed an emotional
1: release release valve and i think that this book just turned that knob for me well and here's another thing i found is i i literally woke up at two in the morning and couldn't go back to sleep so i pulled my book out and started reading and i finished the book between like two and six in the morning this morning and um sometimes when i'm reading in the wee hours of the morning i'm way more emotional yeah for for some reason than i am if i'm reading in the middle of the afternoon or you know yeah or if I'm reading on my Kindle sitting in the dentist office or, you know, I, I just or if I'm listening to it in my car. Sometimes when I'm listening to it in a car, though, I'm, I get very emotional. But <laughs> but reading in the wee hours of the morning where you're kind of tired and, you know,
0: that's another um, interesting thing. I wonder how like
1: if audio books hit you differently I think it probably depends on the performer and things like that, but... I think it, it also depends on, like, if I'm doing a road trip where I've listened to a long stretch, but sometimes I'm just in my car hopping from Aaron to Aaron, and I think yeah. that makes a difference when you stop and start or if you're yeah. listening to it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's all kinds of, I think, external factors that affect how you take in a book. Yeah, But, um, definitely, but like
0: Yeah, definitely, I think the nature of your reading experience like you're saying like sit like sitting in one stretch and just letting it consume you for you know six hours or whatever i think that's very different than reading in bits and pieces
1: you know over the course of a week or something right or um you know if you're at work and you're picking up the book now and then at work or you know, it, there's lots of things that yeah. can influence the way that you take in a book, and sometimes if it's a book, you know, maybe it's not the best book ever, but it was just a fun read. And you know, my life is where it's like, oh, that was fun. You yeah. know, just because I'm in a good mood and things are going good, and I read this lighthearted book. And so sometimes I think we enjoy things more because for a while there, it seems like we loved every book we read, and yeah. <laughs> and um, so you know, it. it and as what we do, where we sit and talk about them and and you know critique them to some yeah, because that also uh,
0: really affects how I take in a book is knowing re- I'm going to have to talk about it critically. Definitely, I affects.
1: read books way different that we aren't talking about yeah. than ones that we are talking about, and Absolutely. I highlight stuff and I I'm looking for swoony moments and I'm looking for well, and things <laughs> and just things to talk about, which not ne- right. you're not necessarily
0: doing with other books that you just sit down to read. Um, how much? How much has life experience affected how you read? How important is it to you to be able to relate? Like like you were saying with this one, we were able to relate to a lot of
1: things about this well, I didn't book. even get into everything. Yeah. When he came back from war with a glass eye, my dad lost his eye in the war, in the Korean War. I don't think he had a but, glass eye. I think his eye just didn't work. Well, you know. And so my dad had a glass eye. Yeah. And, um, he <laughs> and I'm blind in one eye. And the joke was that I weird. got my dad's glass eye jeans. Yeah. And it's even the same eye. I know. It's and, weird. Um, <laughs> but no, I was just born this way. I mean, there's no such thing as getting someone's glass eye jeans. <laughs> but um, but it makes for an interesting anecdote. It does make for an interesting anecdote. And it is weird because I haven't met that many people who really are blind in one eye. And, um, you know, for it to be my dad and me is weird. Yeah. I think, I think like, life
0: experiences in a book i don't necessarily need to relate to experiences but i do need to be able to relate emotionally to but i think throughout the course of human experience we all pick up on emotions that are going to be that an author is going to be hard-pressed to not you know right find someone somehow that you've
1: related to it um then there's the other thing is because of life experience when an author tries to explain it and they're not explaining it the way I experienced it, that'll throw me off too. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, like in this book where all five of them are together in the same, and it's like, yeah, that wouldn't really happen. Yeah. So if it's <laughs> something that I kind of know about because I've experienced stuff in my life mm-hmm. and um, then it the same thing doesn't work in the book. I mean, they don't do it the same way I have experienced it, then that'll take me out of the book a little bit too sometimes.
0: Yeah, we had we had put this question out to um, the Facebook group and we had a few people weigh in. Jennifer said, I definitely think I have to be in the mood for some books. If I pick up a book and I'm not in the right mindset, I will definitely like the book less than I might have otherwise. I think some of my Goodread- Goodreads reviews state that as well. There are some books I will never be in the mood for. Yeah. And I, I can recognize... You know, I think we've even said on the podcast before, it's like, I didn't love this one, but I mean, I said this with the last, with Highlander, and I did like that book, but I think I would have liked it more if I had been in the right mindset. Um, Penny said, sometimes I'll reread a book when I'm in a different moods and end up having different reactions to it. Sometimes um, some books just incite the same innate response in you no matter when or where you are in life. Um, And then lauren said i agree that my mood impacts my ability to enjoy a book but also the opposite there are books i have tried to read that have really impacted my mood for example i tried reading poldark and it made me angry or when i read 50 shades of gray and i found myself using the f word a lot (laughs) um sarah number one because we have two sarahs right in a row Sarah number one said, I was in a bad mood yesterday and I totally couldn't concentrate on my book as much as I normally can. It definitely affects me because when I'm off or there's some kind of argument going on like I had yesterday, I can't just turn it off and enjoy a book. It helps, but only to a degree depending on how emotional I am. And then Sarah number two said, my mood and other outside factors definitely affect how and if I read. Yeah, that's another one is unless you're
1: mom and Ellen who have to read, it'll definitely affect if I read. <laughs> well, um, like, before we started doing the podcast, I would go for long stretches of not reading. Yeah. I mean, I've always loved to read, but, you know, I'd go for long stretches where I wouldn't read. I can't do that anymore. No,
0: I don't allow it's it. Because Alan's
1: a taskmaster.
0: Um, Sarah, number two, continues. I find that if my life is in turmoil. It's hard to concentrate on a story no matter what it is. Rereads are good during that time because I already know the story. So if my mind drifts, it's no big deal when my mind is mush. I just throw something on TV. Yep. That's me too. Um, and eventually I get back to new books. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah, I thought, I thought this was an interesting topic, especially for readers to kind of weigh in because obviously we're readers. We love to do it, but um, kind of what mindset you have to be in in order for it to
1: well and I think and maybe this is the problem with us doing a podcast together is we're so much alike because you know we've shared so much life experience together mm-hmm. so I think of books that we didn't like and um, that other people really liked and mm-hmm. Ellen and Mom didn't like it but I think a lot of that is because we're essentially the same person no because <laughs> we've just shared so much life experience together so we have a lot of the same feelings about yeah. different things
0: yeah
1: um so thanks for weighing in on that
0: and uh you know i'd like to hear from more of you on how, how you think that how this topic hits you Um, so thanks again so much for joining us again. If you would like to join us for The Madness of Lord Ian McKenzie by Jennifer Ashley in one week on October 21st, you can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever your favorite podcasts are sold for free. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at NotYourMomsRom or on Facebook or Goodreads or email us at NotYourMomsRomanceBookClub at gmail.com. Don't forget to leave a review because it helps the show and we just love to read them. All right. Thanks, Mom. Thanks for
1: crying with episode- me. Yeah, I hope this episode wasn't too much of a downer. Yeah, <laughs> um,
0: yeah thanks, guys. And we'll see you next time. Bye.